Welcome to the 101st episode of Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. In this episode, we interviewed Tim Redmond and Dennis Merrick from Cinderblock. If you don't know, Cinderblock has a record coming out on October 28th on War Records. And they're an old Buffalo band that recently reformed during the pandemic. We talked to Tim and Dennis about the band um, why they came back. We talked about the history of the band back then, which was a pretty brief history. We talked about the Bridge in the Gap show, which is happening in Buffalo on November 4th. And we also talked about what plans they may have in the future. So enjoy this episode, the 101st episode of Nickel City Soundtrack. And if you listen to the very, very end of the episode music, there's a little surprise there. So check it out and we will see you on the next one. Peace. Welcome to the latest episode of Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. I am Mark, and I am here Uh, with... Chris. And we are here with... Dennis Merrick. And uh, this is Tim Redmond. What band are you guys in? I don't know. (laughs) There's so many to choose from. Let's talk about this one. The almighty Cinderblock, yo. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so uh, let, let's let's take it way back and talk about how Cinderblock got started. Because like for people who don't know, you know, Cinderblock was like 30-ish years ago yeah. and was the equivalent of a Buffalo supergroup. So let, let's talk about how that came about and where you lifted members from. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny too. So I didn't Tim will probably be better at this than me, but um, I just think this is kind of funny. So just the other day, Phil, our guitar player, do you remember this, Tim, sent like yeah. a, a picture to the center block group test text of an interview that Tim and I did. At, what, what scene was that? Do you remember? I don't remember. Some uh, like old, like Buffalo zine. And I seriously didn't know like this history of center block. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Tim, like I'm like, wait, really? That's <laughs> yeah. There uh, were so many other uh, original members that I didn't even remember. I, I, I mean, it must've been just for one or two practices, but mm-hmm. the uh, we're reading this, um, you know, this little clip that he sent us where we were talking about the origins of the band and, all of us on the group chat are like, wait, they were they were in Cinderblock. <laughs> yeah, like so, Patterson supposedly, and Vo- and Vogel was like an original singer, even though it was yeah, so thing. Yeah, but, so Vogel was supposed to be an original singer, but some and I was just supposed to be the drummer. So I don't know, I don't know if it was supposed to be Vogel and Tom, maybe, so Phil, you, and then somehow. Vogel didn't happen, and then so then maybe I started singing, and then that's when we brought you in for drums, maybe. 
Yeah, it kind of seemed like from what Phil said, and Phil's pretty, I think, pretty good about this history stuff. Um, it seemed to me like it was almost like that was a conversation. Like it was going to be, let's do this band and let's have Patterson play guitar and you play drums and Scott and Tom sing. Mm. But maybe it never actually happened. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would know better than me because I was away. I don't, you know, I, it's, um, basically all, we don't know the history really... of the block. So <laughs> <laughs> all that I really remember is there, there may have been an, an early practice with like Tim Patterson or something like that. But I, I do remember like one early practice with some other people, but I mean, to my recollection and when the band really started and when we really started to write stuff, uh, it was Phil and then Phil kind of brought in Carl and, we, and then, you know, we had Clint from no joke on bass and I, I was playing drums because you were away at school yeah. and I don't, I don't know if originally I was supposed to be like the drummer and then sort of switch to vocals, but I, or if that just, I was just doing that cause you were away. But I, I remember we would practice, I would play drums. We were, we would record tracks on like a cassette tape and then I would send it in the mail to you at school. Yeah. You would like listen to the songs and learn them. And that, that was, I mean, it was very, it, it was a really sort of disjointed early history because there were so many people from so many different bands and Dennis was away. And, uh, and one of the other shocking things for me too, like when we were, sort of getting back together and then we were all talking and people started sharing flyers for shows we played. And I didn't, I didn't even remember half the shows we played with all these different bands. Like we played with this band and that band. And there were so many great bands that we played with. And I remembered maybe two or three shows, but there were a lot more than that. I wonder if it was like the kind of thing where, cause uh, you know, Larry Ransom has that um, he has some, he put something online with like all these flyers, all these old Buffalo shows. Um, mm -hmm. And it, like, uh, according to those flyers, uh, no joke played like 10 shows with judge, but um, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think any of them actually happened. <laughs> like maybe one of them did. So I wonder if it's that kind of thing too, like flyers came out for shows that didn't happen or something. I don't know. Yeah. Judge canceled a lot. I was going to say like, it's, it's possible when Joe joke was supposed to, but judge did cancel a yeah. lot. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of think, I kind of think Cinderblock played like three shows in Buffalo and one in Syracuse. That's all I can remember. Um, like a, a, if you asked me a month ago, I would have said we played two shows in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, Cause I thought we played one at the roller rink and one at the scrapyard and then the Syracuse show, but we played two at different Randall. shows at the roller rink. Well, we played Randall too. It was a show at Randall studio. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, it was, is. Like, and then there was one at the Pierce Arrow, right? With Earth Crisis and oh, Shelter. Oh, yeah. That was before I was in Earth Crisis. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah Shelter, that's Resurrection, right. Earth Crisis, Cinderblock. Look at awesome. that lineup. That's amazing. Dude, yeah, look at that lineup. That show is amazing. Incredible. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so the, the history is definitely kind of disjointed. I think you're right. I definitely remember the sending the tapes to my school. I remember in that interview, you called me a penis because uh, <laughs> because uh, because I was going to be in Virginia for spring break, so we couldn't record. 
So, Chris, what, what's Bond Street? Yo, it says Band Start. Oh. <laughs> Bond. I guess your handwriting does suck. Well, I tried to tell you. Bond. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so did we get into that, or we're, we're just talking history here? So, look, how did the band? So, how did you? Why did why did the band? How did the band start? I think you know it was just a situation. I mean, as you both know, the Buffalo hardcore scene was such an incredible scene. Uh, and there were so many local bands. Um, and the, and the great thing about the scene was because, because it was such a good hardcore scene, all these bands wanted to come here and play. So we had so many shows. We were so blessed as kid, like hardcore kids growing up to be in this community and there were so many shows. So there was this real need for, local bands um, to play all these shows. And um, so there were a lot of opportunities. And so there were so many different local bands. And then if you're playing in some of these local bands, you obviously become friends with member, other members of the local bands. And we were, we were all really good friends and uh, all really appreciated each other's bands. And it was just sort of conversations about, Hey, wouldn't it be great if, if we sort of played together and saw what happened because, you know, there were different bands with different styles. And, uh, and so it was really just sort of more of a, I think it would be fun for us to get together and hang out kind of thing and see what happens. Um, and I, I remember I would just play with, um, you know, Phil a lot would just come over at, at, at that point at my parents' house and we would just go downstairs and just jam stuff. He was doing solo stuff, uh, you know, just recording some stuff by himself and I'd play along with that. And so I think it was just really a, an opportunity for friends, honestly, to get together and, and play music. And, um, and it, it sort of happened organically uh, and it was just really, I, I felt it was just like reaching out and saying, let's, let's bring this person in because it would be fun to play with them. And uh, that, that was my recollection. I mean, Dennis, do you have any other? Uh, no, I think, I think that's right. And, um, and I think that was a, another unique thing about that time is how there wasn't really like a defined Buffalo style or anything. Like all these bands sounded so different, you know, um, I mean, you had, you know, like obviously Snapcase had their sound, you know, Zero Tolerance had their sound, you know, Cinder Black and Against All Hope and like all these different bands totally had their own style. There was no like, uh, there's a lot of, there was a lot of um, experimentation and originality happening back in those days too. And that's what I thought was fun with Cinder Block too. Like it was sort of, it was unique at that time. I think, I don't know if any other bands had two singers back then, like that was kind of a unique thing. Um and yeah, it was just, I just think the originality and the variety of sounds coming out of Buffalo was really cool. It was, it was a time too, like when, you know, Shelter and Burn and it was sort of this transition in hardcore. Um, oh yeah. You know, where you were going from bands like Judge, Youth of Today, GB, Sick of It All. And then it was Shelter, Inside Out quicksand you know that sort of thing and i, I yeah. think you can really hear that influence 
um, in, in cinder block. Like, I think you definitely hear quicksand and shelter and, um, as well as other stuff too, is, you know, very eclectic mix. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So what, what were, what were some high points from the first run of cinder block? Wait, before you, before you do that, what was the first show? Oh shit. Was it one of the roller ring shows? Yeah. Yeah. Was it maybe this one with the real rulers? How do you have these? <laughs> <laughs> so, when uh when we interviewed Tom from Discontent, he mailed me all these flyers. And the irony of all these flyers, they're from the two years I lived in Illinois. So I wasn't at a single one of the shows that these flyers are wow. for. Mm-hmm. But Man. they're great to pull out in moments like this. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. God. That probably was the first one, right? Yeah. It's at the roller yeah. rink. Yeah. yeah. And that place was I don't know how that started. I mean, there were, you know, they didn't do shows. And then all of a sudden, Jeff Hallis, right, was going to do a hardcore show in Hamburg. And we we're all like, what? At a roller yeah. rink? Are you serious? <laughs> and we go in there yeah. you know, at a whole stage. And there were hundreds of kids. I mean, it was like the biggest, hard- yeah. the biggest shows at that time. And it was crazy. And the kids went crazy. I don't know where these kids oh, came yeah. from. Um, yeah. They went they nuts. What a that show was. What was it against all hope? Who else played that show? Against all hope, uh, you guys, the real rulers and crop dogs. Nice. And then there was one with chokehold there, too, right? The other one at the roller rink with chokehold, and then it that, was, uh, that worlds collide played there, too, right? And that's when they then they like stopped the set or something like that, wasn't that? Yeah, like what I, I heard there was some like mini riot or something. Yeah, something happened. Um, yeah. Uh, is there such a thing as a, mi- a mini riot? Is that mini riot, a mini riot a thing? Is there such a thing as a mini riot? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying what I was told. Maybe that's the suburban version of a riot. Yeah, I think that's a suburban riot. Yeah. Like some people are rioting and others are just watching. That's a mini riot. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> nice. I do like so the. The one thing we did at that show, which is um, we um, we came out with cinder blocks. <laughs> Tom and I came out with cinder blocks and like threw them down on the stage and then did stage dives off of them. And so that, that was like this thing and kids were using them to do dives. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah and it's, unfortunately... It's some videos of that show exist online and I'm doing some of the weirdest dances. <laughs> so, <laughs> so embarrassing, but I, I heard fun. about the cinder block on the stage thing. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, like I have a I need to see this band. And by the time I moved back, the band was like, well done. <laughs> I don't think we ever did that again. I think it was, <laughs> I don't know. There More bands need show. to do weird shit like that. Uh, yeah <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> no they do yeah cinder block so something that relates to the name of your band on the stage i like it yeah. i like it i like it <laughs> so i remember that show um i i remember playing the scrapyard and randall but it's it really really vague uh that we do have a live recording that's like pretty awful. And I think that's from Randall. Oh my gosh, this is unreal. <laughs> Wait, what is that? Any point. What, what bands are on this that is, 
Randall's with a uh, endpoint cinder block power trip and childish intent. Oh my gosh, amazing! Wow. I didn't remember yeah. endpoint. That's awesome. Me neither. Maybe they didn't show up or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I um, think they did. I think I yeah. kind of re- now that you mentioned, it, I think I remember that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and then, <laughs> then I remember. I do remember the show at the Pierce era with Earth Crisis and Shelter. Um, yeah. That place that, is yeah, tiny, that, right? Pierce era? Really small. Yeah. And it was, I I think it was, it may have been my first time seeing Earth Crisis and like, and it was otherworldly for me. Like, I mean, that was, I think like the seven inch had just, the first seven inch had just come out and that, that was before Dennis was in the band, right? Yeah. And, um, and that, that was amazing. And then, of course, <laughs> I remember the Syracuse show for, for I, uh, we, we just started playing. I came out, I jumped off the stage to do a stage dive. I hit my, I smashed my head on the, it was like an air conditioning grate. And, uh, and I cut into my head and it was just like, I was bleeding out of my head the whole time. Uh, Rob Madel took his shirt off and gave it to me. So if, and there is video of this show. I'm, I'm standing there like holding this shirt on my head the entire time, trying to, pl- trying to play the show. And then I had a, by that time I was, I was in college and then my first year in college. And, um, and I'm like, ah, I'm sure it's okay. And I went home <laughs> and my, my hair was just like, you know, covered just uh, now it's all congealed, hard blood. And I, and I went, in the shower to try to wash it off and it freaking killed yeah. and i was like oh man and because i really couldn't see because there was so much blood in my hair yeah. was all matted down and uh so then i i ended up going to the emergency room they had to like shave part of my head they had to put, <laughs> they had to put stitches and all i remember is i'm taking out this huge freaking needle and i'm like where are you gonna put that it's my skull like <laughs> you were trying to hide it but they didn't really hide it and i was just like laying laying down on this gurney or whatever and i see this huge knee i'm like where is it going and then i had a philosophy exam the next morning at 8 a.m so I had to my, my head was pounding at this exam it was just it was a mess uh, so I'm, i'll never forget that show for like all the wrong reasons but the run-up the show was great because Syracuse was like this new burgeoning scene at the time. And they were, they were kind of like the first people to do like all those crazy dances with swinging the mm-hmm. arms, and kicking. And so it was, it was a, it was a really cool moment to play there and to have that scene like us, which was really great. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun because Dennis, you were going to school up there. So we came to yeah. practice there. Right. Yeah. I remember Carl lit a fart on fire and burned his butthole. (laughs) 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 And and I remember uh, there was like this, because we rehearsed at this this house on my college campus. And um, there was this dining hall. And the dining hall was on the second level. But like there was kind of a hole in the middle of the floor in this dining hall. And this giant like. I don't know what it was supposed to be, but it was like, the, I think it was some kind of artwork or sculpture or something, but it was this giant like round hoop on these like, you know, 20 foot or maybe longer, like 50 foot chains. And it like hung down through like this hole in the floor down to the first floor. And you could like put four people on it. They'd all hold on to the chains and then you'd like pump on it. It would spin around and swing around and like 
you'd get it twisted so much the chains would lock up and it would like stop and then they'd un like unwind and you like drop down it was like super <laughs> fun but i remember phil was on that thing yeah. and he had this like the stupidest smile ever like he looked like he was <laughs> loving it having so much fun on this thing but yeah that was a good time nice. yeah that whole weekend was fun Cool, cool, cool. Who uh, do you remember who else played that show? I don't. Do you, Tim? Yeah, I mean, we must have played with somebody because we didn't headline, you know. I don't remember who it was with, though. I don't know if we opened. Um, we may have opened. Yeah, I can't remember, but I, I have no idea. Who I don't with. remember. So, um, yeah, it's funny. We, and we we opened for both of our, before we were in the band, we opened for both. Because I think the Scrapyard show was a Snapcase, I think, right? Oh, really? I, I think so. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Strange. Well, I mean, no weirder than the band having four drummers in it, but only one of them played. <laughs> yeah, true that. I guess that is kind of weird. Yeah, it's like basically, yeah, a lot of Buffalo drummers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That's crazy. Yeah, four drummers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so um, so how many shows was Tom in the band, and how many how many shows did he play before he was he left the band? Did Vogel only play the Syracuse show? He was Syracuse, and I think he may have also been the Pierce Arrow show. Oh, right. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah, because that might have been um, our last show. The Pierce yeah, Pierce. Tom definitely did the show at Randall's, studio, uh, Randall's and Scrapyard. Yeah. Um, I and think Rory. Scrapyard was the last show that Tom played with us. And he, he did the first show. So yeah. I think I think Scott just did the last two, I guess. Yeah, so I guess Tom then, played like three, right? And then yeah. two roller rink shows at Scrapyard on oh, Randall. So I guess he played four and then Scott played the last two. Yeah. Pierce Arrow and Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember when we went to record that demo, I mean, Scott and I were, we were basically in the, in the same room. I mean, it was, we were, didn't have a lot of money to do this thing. So we were doing it as quickly as possible. Yeah. So Scott and I were in the same room, like singing on the same mic. And we would just sort of like lean in and out and we still didn't sort of know what parts each of us were supposed to be singing. So you can like definitely hear on that demo, there's parts where someone's doing something and we're like, am I, is this really my part here? Am I supposed to be doing this? And then there was one time we were trying to figure out this part. We kept doing it wrong. And then we finally got it right. And we were so excited. We were like, yeah. And we like high five. And then so we had to totally redo the take because we totally <laughs> threw it out. <laughs> so it, he was, it, it was all even, it was all very new, you know, and then, uh, and then it ended pretty, pretty soon after that, I, I think. Yeah. 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 So why did it so end? What, what, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, well, since Scott's not here, it's because Scott's such a dick. So he <laughs> I, I think it was really just, um, I think shortly after that, I mean, I, I got involved with Earth Crisis, Tim got involved with Snapcase. Um, and, you know, I didn't even, I wasn't even living in Buffalo at the time. So it just, you know, it just kind of like faded away. We didn't like purposely break up or anything. It was just, we all got involved in all of our, all of our other stuff. I don't remember what band Scott was in at the time, but 
um, you know, he probably got busy with whatever band that was too. So mm-hmm. we just all kind of got busy and stopped doing it. You know, it wasn't really anything purposeful. So it was just the- taking a step back for a second, uh, just a random yeah. factoid. Somebody just sold a cinder block demo for $200. What? Where? Yeah. On, e- on eBay or Discogs? Uh, it's through, through Instagram. Cause somebody okay. asked me like, Hey, like, you know, anybody interested in the cinder block demo? And I was like, well, yeah. And it was like, okay, it's not mine. It's someone else's. And I'm like, all right, what are they asking? Like, well, they have an offer for 200 right now. And I was like, there's no way. Like, tell them to take that because there's no way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's insane. Jeez. 200 bucks for a demo. Yeah, I feel oh. bad because it sucks. I was like, this is not a $200 demo. Like, maybe 50 to somebody who really wants it. Like, if that person yeah. can get 200 take it and run. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. What was the what were the years like? Was it like a couple of years or how, what were the years? One in ninety two, maybe. That was it. Yeah, I, I think, think so. the demo was like January ninety three. Oh, okay. I think it was like the it was maybe it was like the end of ninety two, just the beginning of it. It may have been January ninety three. I, I know it was in the winter. Um, and then and then after that, I do remember sending it out to a couple labels, but nothing really happened. And, and, you know, I think, I think that was pretty much it because as, as Dennis was saying, like we started doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there, there are, I, I don't, there are not a lot of those demos out there. That's for sure. So they are pretty rare. I mean, I've got, I've got one in my basement. Um, 200 bucks, 200 bucks. Yeah. Just your basement. <laughs> yeah, man. But I, you know, there weren't, I, I I mean, because we didn't sell them right at shows or anything, because we huh. yeah we recorded um, it and then we had to record it by then. Yeah, yeah. I so I don't you know I don't know if uh, and I was like when we when we got back and started doing this stuff again and so though there were four I think four songs on that demo or maybe four I think yeah four. And um, I didn't even know. And then Phil had this recording from, I think it was the Randall. It, well, it may have been, it was either the Scrapyard Show or the Randall Studio Show. And we had a lot of songs. I, I didn't yeah. remember us having that many. I thought we may have had six songs or something. And we were playing like 10, 10 songs or something. And yeah. Um, so I didn't even remember having that much material, but we did have a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so how did you keep figure out that. from like from all of those songs? How did you figure out what to record for the what's the, for the new for the new record? We just did. Um, we just took the four songs that were on the original demo. We knew we were going to do that for sure. And actually, initially, that's all we were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we decided to do that. The song that used to be called "Centro" was like our intro, and then Tim really wanted to put words to that. Um, and then we decided to um, to put um, what was the song, Tim? The one that we we play right after Centro, House of Pain. House of Pain. And we decided to put House of Pain on there too. Um, so initially it was going to be four songs, and we kind of added those last two, kind of last minute. Yeah, I think that I mean, the... they were just they were just the strongest ones. I mean, that was really why, you know. Yeah, I think there were a couple other really good 
like they had a lot of potential. I, I, I think um, they, they probably still needed a little bit of work. Um, yeah. But there's a song called December that we're going to play at the show that I think is like, has the potential to be a, a solid song. There was another one attracted to the fear, which was pretty cool, but we didn't, you know, we didn't really have much, um, much time to try to throw this all together. And I think because we recorded those four songs when we did, they probably had the most effort put into them back then. And so they were probably the most complete. And then the, the intro song, um, as Dennis said, we called it the Sintro, uh, that, that I always thought was one of the best. And, um, and so I, I don't know, we, we just never put any lyrics to it. We would always just set, sort of have it as the opening song, but um, I really wanted to record that because I really felt that that was a strong song. And, and that was kind of a strong for like a, a song that people back then who saw us that always resonated with them, you know? And when, when we were, when we first started recording, that was the first song that we were doing. And so I was in the, um, you know, the control room and those guys were all playing it. And I just recorded a little blip and I like sent it in the snap case text and immediately like Frank, wrote back he's like oh my god it's the centro i haven't heard this song <laughs> so even you know he just he remembered it it was one of those things that just sort of stuck out and uh so i'm, I'm really glad we we recorded it because i thought that was i think it's a great song yeah and you say you put words to it now so it's not the centro anymore it's now it's now called 91 um in reference to the year 1991 so i um you know it's so the, the lyrics, I mean, they're, they're a little bit like campy, um, you know, sort of, sort of by design, but uh, it really is just, a, I don't know, I think of it as like a, a thank you note to hardcore, basically, uh, that is it getting older and sort of more reflective and looking back on, you know, thinking back when you were younger and uh, what, what hardcore meant to me and being at, at that age where you're, you know, you're trying to find yourself and you're pretty impressionable. Um, and looking back on, on what this movement did for me personally and in the choices that, that I made, it, it just really resonated with me. This was the, you know, it was music that was about something, you know, it was songs that were talking about racism and sexism and animal rights. And this was just stuff that really, just um really spoke to me you know at, at that age and uh and and it really defined sort of the, the course of my life i mean it was you know i became like vegetarian at 14 or whatever because i'm reading youth of today liner notes you know and it's telling me to read peter singer's animal liberation and you know here i am and i'm almost 50 and it's you know i'm still a vegetarian and that i mean that was a huge life decision that i made at 14 and uh and i look back on it today and i'm still really proud of that decision and that that was because of hardcore and um you know it dennis and i became friends in high school through hardcore and he's my, he's my best friend and he's been my my best friend since high school and um and we've gone through a lot together and we met like hardcore brought us together um you know, some of my other best friends, like the Snapcase dudes that, that hardcore 
brought us together. And, you know, when it's, it's why I play drums and I, I, you know, I always loved music, but I wasn't a drummer until I got into hardcore and you realize that, that you could be in a band, you know, like really, I could, I could just play music and like play shows and, uh, and still to this day, you know, playing drums brings me so much happiness. And then you just think about the, the ability to write music and release that music and actually have it mean something to other people. And all the people I've met through touring and being able to actually go on the road, this has enabled me to see the world. Uh, and I, it's the, the impact that this movement and this music has had on my life is really immeasurable. And, um, and so it was just a, a song that I, I wanted to sort of try to express that. And uh, I just thought it was a good opportunity to do that. Because the, the thing that I, I think was really neat about this project was these songs were written when we were kids, you know? Um, and so they, they have sort of all that energy and uh, you, that's who we were at that point, but we could kind of revisit it now um, as we've gotten older. And it's this really great mix uh, because you can sort of play this stuff and it has that energy of when we were young, but it, it's also, it's being performed by people who are a lot more reflective now and looking back on it and sort of like these things were lost for 30 years and we kind of brought them out and dusted them off. And it's just, it was a really, unique project for that um that i'm i'm sure that doesn't happen very often where you have these you know it was just such a unique thing that we got together we wrote these songs and then everybody sort of does these other no one heard of us you know outside of buffalo and then we we do these other bands and then we sort of come back to this with all of that experience that we've had in all these other bands and we sort of revisit this stuff and re-record it and um and sort of now, now sharing it with people really for the first time, this is a unique circumstance. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really glad we did it. I was going to say, I was going to say something Tim said, like, you know, we were in high school that hardcore kind of brought us together. But one thing that also brought us together was Tim six skateboarding technique. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you remember this, Tim, but we, we both skated too. And I remember the first time I saw Tim skate, I didn't realize he was goofing around, but he's like, yeah, check out this trick. And he like try to do a bone lift or a bound drop or some easy thing and he'd wipe out. And I was like, oh, this dude sucks at skating. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't know he was joking. <laughs> and then, but then obviously like we got to know each other and I realized, oh my, dude, this, <laughs> this kid's crazy. Um, but, but also just on like, on a more serious note, um, I, it's interesting too, like what Tim was saying, like reflecting now, like when we're almost 50, um, on stuff that happened, you know, 30 years ago. It, it's interesting to think of that, um, you know, um, and also think about like when we were listening to hardcore and playing music back then, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of songs were about like hardcore pride and how much hardcore meant to us but we didn't really know yet. You know what I mean? Like we were five or 10 years into it at that point. Um, yeah, not 10 years. Cause we, <laughs> we would have been going to hardcore shows. When we were like eight, but you know, <laughs> we were like, 
we were like only a few years into it at that point. So we didn't really know what it meant to us at that point. I mean, we did, but it's just so interesting to think now, like 30 years later, like it really did. It made a huge impact, I think, on all of our lives. So it's, it's interesting to think of those two different things, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's also it's also cool that like, you know, like the two of you have been in pretty big successful bands that have literally taken you around the world and you still have an enthusiasm to do this thing that lasted for arguably two years, thirty years ago. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean that's that that's like as cliche and corny as it is to say, that's hardcore. You know, like that's yeah. like that's that's hardcore. Yeah, and I got to say, like, I, I give Vogel a lot of credit for that, too, because I think, I mean, he's really the one that sort of set it off. You know, he moved back to Buffalo, and he's the one that reached out and was like, hey, would you guys be into this? You know? Um, so, I mean, if it wasn't for him kind of, like, pushing to make it happen, it wouldn't have, I don't mm, think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely got to say, like, Scott was the impetus for it, for sure. And it was such a great opportunity to, um, you know, Dennis and I have, we see each other, you know, pretty frequently, but, you know, Scott and I were in Slugfest together for years. And, um, you know, and then I, I mean, I would, I would see him every once in a while at, at shows or, but not, not often. And, uh, and then for the other guys, I hadn't seen them probably since the last Cinderblock show. I honestly, yeah. and, uh, and so it was, it was just so great to see them again. And it's always, I always love like hanging out with Dennis, of course. So it was, it was a lot of fun to do that. And it was really nice to connect with Scott again. Um, and and a little intimidating too, to be like singing with him because he's, you know, this, this like legendary vocalist and I haven't. Yeah. It's, it's fucking vocal. It's the last time we recorded <laughs> yeah. a demo. So it was, um, you know, but, but he was, it was awesome because he was so encouraging and um, it was just, it was a, an all around wonderful experience. And it was the first time that I had ever worked with Jay Zubricki mm. and had heard so many great things about him. And so it was really fun to be in the studio and work with him. Mm. So it was on, on a whole bunch of levels. It was just, just wonderful. But if I could share a quick story about Dennis, since he outed me, uh, so, so we went to school uh, at St. Francis, afraid. <laughs> and uh, so you know, a, a Catholic school, you know, um, and uh, we we had this religion class with this old nun, oh, Mary, <laughs> and she, she was interesting. But so I was standing outside the classroom, and this is like sort of in the beginning of the year, and just stupid juvenile stuff. And I was like, okay. And I was telling everyone as they were walking in at this particular time, you have to like drop your books on the floor. And so like everyone goes in and that, that time comes and everyone picks up their, their books and throws them on the floor. And Dennis was sitting right in front of me, like just one row over, but he was in the front row. And so she was writing on the board, everyone drops their books, but Dennis didn't. And she turns around and she's standing right in front of him. And she's like, starts laying into us, you know, about, I don't know, probably how we're going to hell or something like how we're, we're terrible. <laughs> and, and Dennis, she's like right in front of him. He picks up his book and like throws it <laughs> on the ground 30 seconds after everybody else did. And after she was already yelling at us and I was like, that kid's amazing. Holy crap. <laughs> he did that. And, uh, and what I, what I would realize is later was he's late for everything 
<laughs> anytime going to movies dinner coming over the heist late for everything so like from the from the moment like we first met dude was late uh, and he's still late for everything. yeah for sure <laughs> nice true story yeah so so go ahead <laughs> I, w- I was gonna say so have has there been like a clamoring for any cinder block stuff like from the breakup time to like before you guys got back together, like was there like did anyone ever ask you about hey, what about Cinderblock? Like in nineteen ninety eight, did anyone ask you about Cinderblock? <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no one gave a shit about Cinderblock. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't. You know, I mean, it was such a short time and such a limited scene um you know where where very few people would have um and i you know i rarely even gave every once in a while i would (laughs) think back and be like that was like i think that was cool stuff and then you know then when this came up and i went downstairs and i dug out the demo and i listened to it i was like oh geez (laughs) i mean i thought i thought the music was really good but my vocals were just awful but you know uh so then i was like oh do i really do this now. Uh, but yeah i mean really it's no i don't think anyone yeah. said anything i think pe- i think people dug it when we were around like people we got good responses when we would play mm-hmm. but yeah i mean i don't think anybody was like play a reunion show or anything you know <laughs> <laughs> that, that yeah. really <laughs> so so what do you think motivated scott to like reach out and make this happen again covid <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah probably you know? yeah you know i think well one he moved back to buffalo mm-hmm. um and then you know honestly covid uh yeah. if if it weren't for covid he would have probably been on tour yeah and sure. would have just been too busy so i think you know a lot of touring shut down and um and so i think he was just sitting around thinking of of projects that that he could do and um i know he even we we had recorded a couple slugfest songs i don't even remember but years and years ago and um and nothing ever came so we had the music but he never put vocals to it and then he finally put vocals to it and that just came out recently and so i I just think he you know he he had time he was back in this area Mm -hmm. and could sort of you know it, it was uh since we were all here it it logistically it it was something that could be done and um yeah it was i think a lot of it had just was the timing and uh, i'm glad he thought about it because I, I never would have thought about it and uh i'm glad he he reached out so you're saying if the pandemic never happened this would have never happened very low Probably not. yeah very low uh yeah. low probability i guess right yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I and I was going to say, like, so how did you guys practice? Like, so the, the the word is put out. You guys respond favorably. How did that conversation start with, like, Phil and Clint and Carl? Carl? Yeah, I think, I mean, Scott reached out to Tim and I first, if I remember this right. Um, he reached out to Tim and I first to see if we'd be into it and if we had the time and whatever. 
and we pretty much instantly both said, yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> and so we kind of had to, I think we had to sort of pitch in to find the other dudes. Like, I don't think we, I don't think any of us had all of their contact info. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I think I remember to find Carl on Facebook. We, I think we had to find him on Facebook, right? Yeah. And like, and I found this, I found, found him on Facebook. I'm like, wait, is this Carl? Like, I couldn't really tell if it was him or not. But he had a car or something, right? Yeah, and I think initially we're like, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but it was, so we ended up getting a hold of him too. Um, so yeah, was, and then he had like dreads and everything, right? So we haven't seen him in yeah, years. In thirty years, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was kind of wild. Um, but yeah, it, so yeah, it took a little effort to kind of get in touch with everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean that's basically what it was. Scott, Scott reached out to Tim and I. We were down, so we, you know spent a little bit of time trying to find the other guys didn't take very long. Um, and everybody else was like instantly into it too. Um, so yeah, it was no like, ah, let me think about it. Everybody like was totally <laughs> cool with it. And, and how was that first practice? Like, did you guys try to do some kind of like zoom practice or was there like an in-person practice yeah. for the first time? Yeah, we, uh, I think we put it off for a little bit because of COVID. Like, I think COVID was definitely, like, surging when we decided to do it. Um, and so we just really kind of, like, I think everybody just sort of did their homework and listened to the music um, that we had done. And uh, and then once COVID kind of chilled out a little bit and we felt a little more comfortable, then we just got together and rehearsed. We, we rehearsed twice. That was it. We rehearsed two times and recorded. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I think everybody kind of played on their own too, though. Like we all kind of, you know, put in time to, you know, make sure we had the stuff down. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say and, like the couple of actually, songs that, what's that? Go ahead. I was going to say, and that was pretty typical cinder block too. Like um, some of the live recordings, like you'll hear Tim saying like, yeah, sorry, we screwed up that song. We never practiced <laughs> uh, because, because <laughs> we couldn't really like, you know, I was living away. So, you know, we would practice like once and then play a show, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, you know, this kind of typical cinder block style. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what, what I was going to say is that like the couple of songs that I've heard that have been on uh, a couple of other podcasts, like Tim, your voice really compliments Vogel's well. I was really surprised by mm-hmm. that. So you thought he was going to suck or what? <laughs> no, I think he was going to suck. But like, you know, Arguably, last time you sang was thirty years ago. You don't know what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, yeah. you don't know. If voice, like if your voice is going to be cracking all over the place, or yeah. like you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it really did. Yeah, it great, was. Uh, it it was definitely intimidating <laughs> to be, you know, singing with Scott. Um, but and also like I didn't, you know, because I, I don't. It's like you're trying to figure out, okay, what is my style? What does my voice sound like? How should I, how should I do this? You know what? So there were just so many unknowns um, going in, and uh, and I, you know, I'm I'm sure if we could do it again, it would be it would be a lot better because I was sort of figuring things out as we went along. Um, but it it was I know I I just sort of went in and and you you not only trying to figure out how how you should do it but how it goes together with you know what scott is doing and um you know and his voice is so powerful 
and, you know, I was, I, I think it came out well, but I, I mean, I definitely remember being concerned, like just he's, he's voice is just so much more powerful. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, being concerned about that, but, um, yeah, I, I think, I think it worked. Uh, fortunately it, you know, it, it, it came out pretty well, I think. And it was a lot of fun and we'll see what people think about it, but, um, it's always hard to sort of judge your own kind of thing. Um, cause I tend to think everything, everything that I do sucks, you know, I'm very hypercritical about it. And, mm-hmm. but, um, but it, as I said, like Scott was just so supportive and, um, you know, and, and we really, I think worked together well, trying to bring it together and piece it together. And, um, so it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it, but, and, and it also gave me an appreciation for, uh, how, how tough singing is, you know, in the, in the studio. And, um, I always thought drumming was tough because especially like back in the day when you couldn't punch stuff in and, you know, you just had to play the entire song perfect or you had to redo it. And I was always just like, drumming is the hardest. It's the worst. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> But with like vocals, I mean, there's just so much that you could do. Uh, there's so many things to think about. And, you know, how should I do it? How should I phrase it? What word should I accent? Should I go up or should I go down? Like, it's mm-hmm. just, it's endless. And uh, so that was the thing that I, I really grew to appreciate was um, uh, the, the time and effort that, that goes into it. And the other thing I noticed that Scott was so, was so good at was, how his vocals go along with what the drums are doing and hitting accents. Um, and that was something I never really thought about, but going back and listening to how he was doing, I was like, Oh my God, that was perfect. And that was another thing that I, you know, never really thought much about. And, uh, so I, I I really gained an appreciation for what vocalists have to do. So that was sort of a nice, uh, benefit of this whole process too. So, this is kind of amateur, but I got to go get my charging cable. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> so the guys who aren't you, Scott, Dennis, and Phil, were they still playing music? No, I, well, hmm. I don't think Clint, the bass player, I don't think he was. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl, I know Carl was doing stuff for for a while i don't i don't know if um if he was like while we were recording this Mm -hmm. um dennis do you remember did clint have to like buy a bass guitar (laughs) (laughs) he uh he he might have um yeah because i don't i don't think uh i don't think he'd really been playing still i don't really think carl had been either Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, I think Carl was like right after Cineblock Entity was doing stuff, but I don't know if he was doing stuff for it. But but he was still well because he had that picture on Facebook with a guitar, right? So he was still playing. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if Clint was. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't and, think so. I don't think he was like yeah. playing in the band or anything. And he came to practice, and he like he had everything down. He did. He definitely Pretty he definitely angry. worked on it. Yeah. Was it like hard for like, so when you practice, were those guys good or were they mediocre or did they take a while to get in? Like is get locked in? Yeah. Break, break up the band before they play. I'm not. I mean, yeah. Right. Thanks a lot. Sorry. Um, 
everyone was good except him. No, uh, <laughs> no, it was, no. It, I think uh, we were all honestly we were all a little rusty on it. I mean, I and like I didn't also think like looking back or listening back to the to the mm-hmm. stuff that we did. Mm-hmm. Like there was definitely things that I didn't like what I played, and I you know I've, we've all kind of like matured as music musicians since then. So we weren't necessarily playing everything exactly like we did back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, t- it took a little bit of work, but it wasn't, I don't think anybody was that far off. I think we all, um, I think we all had it pretty well put together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it went pretty smoothly. I mean, in two practices, we had it down enough to record and then yeah. I think the recording came out pretty well. It didn't take too long to track either. It wasn't like we had to do like a million takes or anything. No, yeah. I, yeah. I was... So I'm, I'm just, Go ahead. go ahead i'm sorry no no go i ahead. was just i was i was actually pretty amazed how you know when we first started playing i was like oh my god i can't believe people remember what parts come after what parts <laughs> you know? yeah and yeah um, yeah so it was you know that when we went in the studio they just all tracked it live and i i mean you know there was some punching in for guitars and stuff like that but it 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 came together. I, I was surprised. I thought it would be a little bit more difficult, but mm-hmm. uh, but everyone did a good job. So I'm sure that you've sent the recordings to, to friends and stuff. What's the reception and feedback been from people who have heard what's coming? I think people, I think, I mean, people seem pretty excited about it so far. Um, you know, I, I haven't, I actually haven't played it for like a ton of people. Um, but, um, the people I did seem to dig it. And, um, and, and like Tim said, when he, like he played the beginning of Centro for, um, you know, now 91 for, I forget who Frank was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like immediately recognized it. Um, I sent it to some of the earth crisis dudes and they kind of said the same thing. They're like, Oh my God, I remember these songs. And it's like, they would have only heard them like once, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like at the show in Syracuse and mm-hmm. I guess the show in, uh, the one at Pierce Arrow that we play with them that would run. So they maybe heard them twice, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, I think that says something. I think it, you know, in some ways that, you know, the music stayed sort of relevant or, you know, was memorable, you know? Um, so good reaction so far. Do you, so you guys, when you recorded it, was, was it going to be put out or did you record it then found someone to put it out, find someone to put it out? The latter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we hoped it would, it would come out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I guess we sort of thought it would. I mean, you yeah. know, I think, you know, because of who was involved, I think, you know, we it was wasn't that hard to find somebody to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we didn't have anything set in stone when we first recorded it. Yeah. So yeah, actually, how did how? Go ahead. Sorry. Well, actually, Scott fronted the money for it, um, which is another amazing thing they did. He, uh, and cause he was, he was pretty confident we'd find someone to do it. And he's like, no, I'll get paid back later. But, uh, he said, you know, I'll, we'll go, we'll work with Jay. We'll kind of work when he's available. And, and he sort of fronted the money and then, um, you know, Andrew at war, uh, heard it and really liked it and wanted to put it out. And, uh, so that's, yeah, made it happen. So why a 12 inch versus a seven inch? Just because it, um, you know, I, it's funny because I'm like, you know, we're not putting out a ton of records anymore. So, but what, from what I understand, like 
12 inches or 12 inch inches are easier to sell than seven inches nowadays. Um, and I heard it had something to do with like shipping them. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but also I think it's just cooler, like an actual, like big, like full size record is kind of a cooler thing than the seven inch anyways. And I wonder if six songs would have been too much for a seven inch too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, like, remember those bands putting like 10 songs on seven inches in 88. <laughs> yeah. And I think it does have something to do though. Like if you try to put too much music on a seven inch, the sound quality degrades a little bit. Uh, uh, so I think that's part of it too. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I think. <laughs> so, when is okay. the official release date of, of the, uh, not of the physical copies, but one's like the official, like, you know, streaming release date. Uh, end of this month. I forget the exact date, but it's like the 20 something of October. Uh, so yeah, two songs have come out so far and, and then they'll release everything. Mm. I feel like it was the 22nd or 23rd or something like that. Mm. Could be wrong, but it's close to that. It might coincide with when this comes. Well, this is coming out this episode. We're recording on October 12th. Uh, people who don't know but it's probably gonna come out the uh it'll be episode 101 which will come out on the 23rd of uh, uh october it might be yeah i guess we can bump eddie no eddie's 99 <laughs> oh is he eddie's 99 100's 100 oh. this is 101 wow. oh great that's perfect <laughs> yeah eddie malone's the next episode our eddie malone interview oh cool wow. <laughs> so we're gonna we we sat we sat down and talked with him a few weeks ago so that's ninety nine. It's it's an intense it's an intense interview. That's cool. Collecting all our ZT interviews. <laughs> yeah, we, we almost have a full. I think we're only missing. I drums. I went to Eddie's. I don't know. It was his mom's house. But this world rejected before. I think it was before Mark went to Toronto. I practiced with this world rejected like once or twice mm -hmm. um, at Eddie's house or his mom's house or something. And I, I played on like Darren's Darren's drums were still there. And mm -hmm. it, it was, uh, it was amazing. And it must've been around this time too. Like said, so it was before Snapcase. it was cinder block. And uh, so sometime in the early nineties, it was just really weird that, uh, you know, I, I don't have a lot of memories of it, but I just remember being like, oh my God, I'm playing with, there's like Mark Belenka's in the same basement, <laughs> <laughs> like Eddie. And, and it was, it was surreal. And I was, yeah. we weren't only doing like this world rejected songs, but we played a couple ZT songs and I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> and then, but then he let Mark laughed and then nothing happened, but uh oh that was it was surreal very cool very cool yeah um what did i just ask sorry <laughs> i don't know you were talking about like zt stuff and i was just saying i was gonna say that i think we're one interview away from having everyone Excellent. from interviewing everyone who is in zt that's acceptable to interview wow. except the ones we want <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> Yes. Yeah, well, you were talking point. about the release date and how it might coincide yeah. when the episode comes oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, yeah we'll that, see. That'll be good. So, actually, I have a question. So, you're playing the show on November 4th. 
Might there be other shows? Are you open to that? Definitely open to it. I don't know. We don't have plans for any yet, but um, definitely open to it. Because it might yeah, be hard. Think, yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, I think, you know, we'll see what the response is and if, you know, if people like it and care about it. Um, and then, then you know, the, the next hurdle is uh, just Scott is obviously really busy mm -hmm. um, with with touring and um you know uh i've got two young kids dennis has got two kids and you know everybody else is work working and um queen's got a couple kids right and yeah so uh you know there's there's those challenges of being able to fit this into everybody's schedule but mm -hmm. um you know earth crisis is still doing stuff. snapcase doesn't do nearly as much but um you know uh that's the thing about this show coming up that I didn't really think about is because when, when we were talking about this show, Daryl was like, do you think you could play two sets? And I, and I was like, yeah, I think I could do it. You know, overly optimistic about my whole body not breaking down. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, I think I could do it. Cause like one, I'll be straining my voice. And then the other, it's my elbows and wrists, you know, but I, I think I could do it, but I didn't think about the practice schedule. <laughs> And now I'm like, how the hell am I going to practice for two, two bands? But I don't think it will be all that bad because I don't, you know, it's really hard to get practices together. So yeah, I mean, uh, there, there you, won't be that many practices to the run up. Um, yeah. But you stuff. singing, you could almost practice like in your car, you just put it in and just get your timing. Just, down. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was funny. Cause we did, we did have one practice so far and Scott <laughs> and Vogel was like, so I don't really know when I'm supposed to sing and you're supposed to sing. So when in doubt, I'm just going to sing because I figure it's better to have two people than nobody. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll be watching for that. Yeah, yeah. I think well, there's then, definitely going to be some of that at, at the show. Um, you know, and, and I remember from earlier Cinderblock shows that that would happen too, because it's just one of those things that, you know, you just forget and you get caught up in the moment. And so I'm sure it's going to happen a bunch, but. Plus, Wogo gets back literally like the day before the show. So yeah. we're, we have one like full band practice scheduled for that day. And we're going to try to do a couple more, you know, while he's away. But yeah, mm -hmm. so that'll be tight. But I think, I think too, as far as like future shows, the plan is probably because um, Joe Hardcore is trying to find a, a 90s band to headline This Is Hardcore that he hasn't had play it yet. So he might have Cinderblock headline next year. Huh? <laughs> I, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, I, was like, <laughs> no, I could see that. I'm, but... I'm kidding. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Way to pull a fast uh, one. No, kidding. Yeah, right. You heard it here first. Headlining This Is Hardcore, Cinderblock, 2023. Yeah. <laughs> 2023. <laughs> Interesting. So, um, okay. So open to open the more shows maybe, but yeah. you know, it's going to be tough to get that together, of course, but you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys will play another one somehow, somewhere, you know, it's, it's going to happen. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. It's going to be so, I'm like so interested in how this is all going to unfold <laughs> when we play our, 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 are the people there going to, 
sort of remember or are they going to be like who the hell is this and yeah. what is what is happening here <laughs> um because I, I i you know if you if you don't sort of know the history of the band um i think that probably you know i think that adds a lot to the interest you know um mm-hmm. the who that all the other bands we've been in but also you know how it was this one time 30 years ago or whatever it, if you don't know that and you just see like a bunch of old dudes get on stage and there's two singers and like what was going on uh i don't know i don't know what the reaction would be but we'll see i think you should bring it back to those days and wear overalls at the show <laughs> <laughs> do it do it <laughs> oh my god dude. every any picture on the internet of some somebody in overalls frank sends it to me i'm, I'm like the snack case screen chat it doesn't matter like any overalls like yeah, the, they're the, coming back the very, they're coming back the, oh they absolutely are but the very first episode when we talked about looking glass self brought the overalls up <laughs> that's it we're wearing overalls to the show i'm doing it i'm wearing overalls do to it the show. overalls i'm trying to get as many people as i can to wear overalls to the show let's do this it, that's actually like the sub the subtitle of the song 91 is overalls <laughs> uh, nice very cool oh my god so 90s <laughs> all right chris get into the chris questions are you ready for I those? don't have that many Chris questions. I feel like generally, and I totally lifted this from uh, Toby from H2O's podcast because, you know, great artists steal. And the question <laughs> is generally, are you a positive person? But I feel like just your enthusiasm has answered that. Yeah. But well, feel both free of you. to. Both of you. Yeah. <laughs> are you positive people? <laughs> positive Dennis is an asshole. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or a penis, as he referred to me in a previous interview. Um, I, yeah, I would say so. I'm generally a positive person. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I definitely uh, think so. Um, you know, I uh, there. I, I think um, obviously, every, you know, everyone has their moments, but. Um, you know, when you, I, I think overall, um, I, I feel very blessed and lucky, um, about my, the, the life that I've had, um, so far. And, um, and so I think I, that is obviously a, a reason to be very positive and optimistic and, um, and, uh, the same with, um, just, I think, humanity as a whole i i tend to have faith in people even even though uh there's a lot of disappointment um you know and and bad things that happen and have happened in history but um i i tend to think that for the most part things have gotten better and we definitely have challenges but uh i hope that people can you know that we can get our act together and address those challenges uh so i think Overall, yeah, I'm I'm a pretty pretty optimistic person, but um, yeah, but I have my moments for sure. Did, did do we, should we have Dennis answer that too, or did he? I mean, I I mean, I was mine was just much more brief. I just said yes, basically. But 
you know, I, I guess, yeah, I mean, if you, I guess to expand on it, yeah, to think about it, I mean, you know, the fact that it, you know, almost 50 years old, um, you know, still get to play hardcore shows and play my drums and ride my skateboard and mountain bike and have fun with my kids and my family. Like, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of good stuff going for me. So I'd say absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, you were going to, we had a Derek question. Um, what was it? They, they were already pretty much answered. Yeah. I feel, yeah, that's what I like, feel like. It, it, yeah. Um, so we'll go with some kind of hardcore questions to satisfy those who only care about the core. Uh, <laughs> from each of you, favorite River Rock show that you went to? Uh, uh, for me, I'd say it was probably that like big revelation show, like when like GB and Judge and Bold and oh my god, I mean like every awesome rep, Chain of Strength, I think played that show. Yeah, um, an insight. An insight, yeah. That that show was uh, insanely cool. <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely up there. I would also add um, the uh, Quicksand Shelter Inside Out. Um, that show, I, I just remember I had never heard it Inside Out before, and they came out and started playing. And Zach, like, like who is this? He was this little kid. <laughs> who just had this scream that was otherworldly and he just went off and they were like the opener. I think um, maybe there was another band that opened. I'm not sure, but, and I, I was just so blown away. Um, and then, you know, got that seven inch was like, Oh my God, the seven inch is incredible. And then I don't remember who played next, but then it was like, maybe it was quicksand. And then it was like, Oh my God, this is, and, and that seven inch had just come out. I think I might have my dates wrong, but um, that, that seven inch was new and, and that was otherworldly and so different. And then shelter. And it was like, Oh my gosh, so every band was incredible. And, uh, but it was also really new. So with a lot of other shows, you know, records have been out and you go and maybe you've seen these bands multiple times and there were so many great shows. But the thing that really stood out for me for that show was every single band was new and different. And uh, it was it was an incredible night. So that leads me to my next question. Inside Out 7-inch or Burn 7-inch? Inside Out for me. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that's a tough question. The <laughs> um, stumper. Yeah. Um, I would say inside out, but it's, it's close, you know, um, it's really close. Very close. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's a, here's a quick question. You still follow Georgetown Hoyas? <laughs> <laughs> nice ah uh, yeah <laughs> not you know um not as much as because i i they're still my team yeah um i i just i i only say that because i i don't have as much time to watch college basketball anymore as yeah. i did so i'm yeah. i'm more out of the loop with with everything going on i, I don't even it's hard for me even when the, you know, um, when March madness is happening to yeah. find the time to, to watch the games, but yeah, yeah they're still my team. Definitely. Yeah. It's funny. I think, 
someone posted a picture on Facebook recently, and I can't remember what the show was, but there was some show, and they're like, I think that's Dennis Merrick in the pit. And I'm like, huh? And I had a Georgetown Hoyas hat on, so it's probably yeah. yours, Tim. Because <laughs> I, I was never like, I never really watched sports very much. So it just wasn't my thing. So I'm like, I don't remember having that hat. And everyone was like, dude, that's definitely you. So I, think I think I must have borrowed your hat for some reason. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they were they were good a couple of years ago, and then like when yeah. Patrick Ewing became the coach, and then they like were terrible last year. So yeah, it's what it is. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's what it is. I, I've got a, a one of my colleagues at work um, is a Syracuse fan, and uh, and her daughter went to Syracuse, and so I'm always we're always going at it, you know, yeah. the old Big yeah. East rivalry, and um, yeah, and I, I remember when my my dad took me to a, a Hoya's. Syracuse game at the Carrier Dome, and yeah. I was like, I had my Hoyas hat, Hoyas <laughs> starter, yeah. I had Hoyas <laughs> boxers, like over my jeans, you know, from head over to toe. And, yeah, and these like, and you know, and and I'm there with my dad, right? And <laughs> all of these college kids are like giving me grief, and, and I'm and I'm shooting back at him, and my dad's like, oh my god, like. <laughs> They're gonna attack my son. Then I'm gonna have to defend him. I'm gonna get my ass kicked, you know. And, nice. You know, I, I was too young, and I'm like, they're not gonna beat me up. I'm just a kid, and I'm like, you know, going back and forth, and yeah. But oh yeah, it was great. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what else we got, Chris? Oh wow, way to put me on the spot like that. Always on uh, the spot. So, and this question for both of you: Are there any current back uh, current bands that you're stoked on? Hardcore bands, not just any random genre. Hardcore bands? Keep it cool. um, like kind of newer ones? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I guess they're, they're not really super new anymore, but uh, I just saw them and it was cool to see them, that band Counterpart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're newer than we are. So it feels kind of new. And actually, I, I really like... Um, uh, I really like the bands we're playing that show with. I like Smash and Grab and Exhibition a lot too. I think they're both great bands. Definitely, definitely yeah. good bands. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Um, in Turnstile, but they're not. You know, they're not. I mean, they're still new, right? Yeah. I mean, um, ten years. Yeah. Eleven years. New to us. Years, they might as well be a hundred. <laughs> yeah. Right. New yeah. Us, yeah. New to us. <laughs> I think. I think Daryl told the story on the podcast before, but you know, we would. When we play shows, you'd be like, "This is a new song." <laughs> it was like from twenty five years ago. <laughs> well, it was new to us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I um, there's there's it's you know I'm I'm sort of stuck in a I, I need to listen to more new stuff because I sort of get stuck in you know the the music that resonated with you when you were certain ages and. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've even reverted back from like before I got into hardcore and punk and yeah. gotten into like back in my hair metal days <laughs> with Ozzy and Def Leppard and all this. That just drives my wife crazy. But um, I just uh, I think that's yeah. fair though to be into what like because that's I mean your youth is music like you that's that's when you find yeah. it. So I think it's I know a lot of people like say you should like like new things, but that's your core is what made you, you know, that that's formed you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's cool to like be there, you know, have that be your core of music, I think, but that's, that's just me. Yeah. yeah. But I do like some new music, so. but not as much as my old 
you know, heyday music when I was, you know, doing my thing, I guess. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's not often that a, a new band would, will register as obviously like the bands that came up on. It happens every now and then, but it gets it gets rarer and rarer as I get older. Definitely. Yeah. What do these kids know? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so the, the pizza question, Chris? The pizza question? Yeah, man. Go ahead and ask it. You already brought it All up. All right. Take it away. Just take it from me. Just best, take, take it right out of my pockets. Best. Oh, well, let's talk. You guys have been around the world. Best Buffalo pizza. Best worldwide pizza. And I mean, I'm, ve- I'm vegan. How does so. your it's how vegan does your pizza? Best, <laughs> there is vegan pizza, and in recent years, it's gotten better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had I don't remember the name of the place, but uh, my wife and I had a destination wedding in Hawaii, and um, and we had we went to this pizza place, and it was the best vegan pizza I had ever. Um, I don't remember the place. I'm sorry. So I can't keep the name, but it was, it was so good. Um, Amazing. That was in Hawaii. It was in Hawaii. Yeah. It was like, it was one of my favorite food days because we had, we went for like a hike, but then we had like these incredible acai bowls in the, in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then after the hike, we had, we went to that pizza place and, and I was thinking like, Oh, I'm not going to, there's not going to, be anything for me and then they're like oh no we have vegan pizza and and it and it was like incredible nice really yeah cool. i'd say here like so in buffalo i don't know like i had i mean island town was always good mm. I, but i heard that um i actually never had it but i heard fry baby's pizza is like the best that's what i heard um, too but i never had but it i haven't had it yet yeah. so do we favorite... do we need to add do we need to add fry babies to I think the uh pizza store fry, fry babies closed i think no, oh, I think really? it's open again now. Oh, really? They they close and they reopen. Okay. Um, but then uh, I think my favorite my favorite vegan pizza I've had uh, was that spot in Brooklyn. I think it's Cruisers. Mm-hmm. Um, that place. Screamers. Is Screamers, yeah, Screamers. Oh, Cruisers, I think is out like in California. Yeah, Screamers. That place is awesome. Yeah, Screamers. Yeah, that's the spot. Is it good, Chris? Is it good? It is. Um. I'm not a fan of one of the owners, but it is good pizza. Always got some problem, Chris, with somebody, yeah. don't you? <laughs> listen, listen, the listen. Pizza's good. The guy, the guy pulled some shady shit during the pandemic on his employees at another place that he owns. Okay. Uh, so I, I feel that it's it's a legitimate grievance. I guess we're not getting yeah. that sponsorship then, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> why it's Brooklyn. It's got nothing to do with this. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You live down here, Der- Dennis, right? Like in uh in Hamburg ish. I'm in East Aurora. East Aurora. There's a yeah. place. There's a place in um in North Tonawanda, Worcester Pizza that has a lot of different oh, pizzas. Yeah, I went there once. It's so far for me though. Yeah, it's a but, it's um, a hike. <laughs> I went there once and they I had like a vegan like chicken finger sub. It was great, but I haven't yeah. had the vegan pizza mm. yet actually. Yeah, that place is really good. Yeah, I gotta try it. It's called Wurlitzer. Yeah, Wurlitzer. It's in North yeah. Tonawanda. They have like vegan ice cream and shit. They too. do. It's yes. Pretty yeah. cool. We, uh, we, we might have to go there to get a chicken finger sub. <laughs> Just saying. We're, yeah, it's good. When we uh, when we have the uh, the show happens, Chris is coming up for the show on the four on the fourth, and 
we're doing a pizza tour the next day. I think after that discussion thing that we're doing, nice. Instead, we're gonna do a pizza cool. tour. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna set a criteria to see who has the best pizza, and then see if we can trick them into sponsoring us. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Always hustling, always hustling, always hustling. <laughs> so anyway, unless you got anything else, Chris, I think we're good. Uh, I'm. I got a Mark Miller question. What's the Mark Since Miller? You like reached into my pocket. What's what's uh, what's I got? What have I got? <laughs> who would you like to see on the podcast that we oh, haven't yeah. had yet? Oh, yeah, Even yeah. though I know there's like a hundred episodes of people, or like you know ninety yeah. episodes of people, you got to think through. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> I feel like pretty much everybody's been on. Yeah. Um, there, there is a handful of heavy hitters we haven't had yet. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I heard Kelly Green's on the hundredth episode, so you got her now. <laughs> well, she was on. She actually had her own episode. She did a ladies' first episode, which she hosted way a few ten or twenty episodes ago. Now it's like yeah, I actually didn't hear that. I heard from about March. it. Yeah, 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 I heard about it because yeah. she about because she was at the coming up one, you know. So I got to go back and hear that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. If you could track down Plow, the old bass player for Slugfest. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. You know what? I or think Jay Galvin. I actually still talk to him. Who does? Galvin, maybe. Oh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. Talk I feel him. like this came up before. Yeah, I feel like this came up before. Because okay. I I have no idea where he is or what he's up to. and um, But. Okay. Yeah, I. You know, because I, it was always like, um, I can't remember how long you, you know, he was at Slugfest. We, we had so many members coming in and out all the time. And, um, you know, so I don't, I, but I never really um, got to know him super, super well. Mm-hmm. But it was just a, he was a great bass player. And, uh, but I, I just, you know, don't know a ton of his backstory. And then obviously what happened to him afterward. Um, but I mean, so that's personally, I would just sort of be interested in that. But okay, um, trying to think who else. You guys have had so many good episodes. Yeah, like I don't really know. We definitely want to have some people back too. Like, there's some people we want oh, to yeah. dive even deeper into. We we had plans for our hundredth episode, which fell through, but those will, will they'll come around again. Mm-hmm. I really like. Do. I I really one of the most interesting ones I thought was I really like Brian Foyster's episode a lot. Yeah, we want to do a second one because that was like, that was just scratching the surface. There's so much there. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. It was great. I'll tell another super quick story, if that's okay. (laughs) Nice, Um, of course. So I went down to Home of the Hits and like before, before I got into hardcore, I, I was like Misfits and Descendants. They're, They're still two of my favorite bands. So I was like that, that sort of was my window into hardcore and, um, and so I had gone down to um, Home of the Hits and I bought, and at this point it was all, and I bought an, an all single. It was for she's the song, She's My Ex, and um, bought it. You know, they, they put it in a bag for me. And then we went to Foyster's house, you know, next door and, and with Blanca and um, go, we like go upstairs. I, I can't remember who I was with, but somehow we ended up in the house and like Mark Blanco was there and I, and you know, I'm like starstruck and I'm just like, 
(laughs) just mumbling. And I was so nervous. And he's like, what'd you get? And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know, just like a record. Cause I, I thought I was like, oh, he's, he's going to hate me. Cause it's not hardcore. Right. And, um, and so I was just like, oh yeah, I, I don't know. Just, just like records. And so he, he takes the bag from me and he, and he pulls it out and it had a picture of a, of like some, a woman on it with an X on it. And he looks at it and he's like, oh, great band. And then he like goes, straight edge and then he puts it back in the bag and i was like oh my god i'm so relieved because i was so scared but, he was like, I, why, but I thought he was i thought i thought he was gonna think i'm a nerd or something because i was listening to all and it wasn't you know some i don't know straight edge hardcore record but then of course when i left I'm like oh my gosh he's so cool he listens to all that makes him even better nice. <laughs> awesome all right so thank you guys for coming on and Yes, thank with your you presence. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thank you. Us. Yes, it was a good time. And uh, well, it'll be out in a couple weeks before the show. So hopefully people will hear this before the show and then heckle you because of what you said on the show. Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <that'd be> great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm yeah, forward thank you. To, yeah thank uh, you. looking forward to the, you know, uh, the podcast later on too with everybody. And yeah. 